It's a movement, but it's about people. Be the People is about we the people joining forces to reclaim and reshape the best of our nation's time-treasured traditions. Each week, we offer insightful interviews with movers and shakers from all different spheres of life. And now, please welcome Dr. Carol Swain. Welcome to the Be The People show. Today's show is about something that's on the minds of most Americans, and that's the coronavirus and the unusual way we have been addressing the disease in this country. Many of us have questions about the conflicting advice we've gotten from the government, from the CDC, and various agents that we trust to give us wise advice about health care. Joining me today is Simone Gold. She is the founder of America's Frontline Doctors. Simone is a board-certified emergency physician and a Stanford University educated attorney. She's going to tell us some things that you may have suspected, and today you will realize that you're not going crazy, that there's something taking place that's highly unusual, and that we as Americans must be alert, and we must be cautious, and we must hold our leaders accountable for the strange politics of coronavirus. So Simone, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Dr. Swain. Now, Simone, you have an unusual background, trained as a physician as well as an attorney, and you've taken on the politics of coronavirus, and so you have stood up to some pretty powerful people in America. Would you tell our listeners what it was that led you to do this? Thank you so much. You know, there was a very specific moment, and that was I was working in the emergency department, and I had a patient in front of me who's COVID-19 positive, who's short of breath, had a fever, who's difficult to breathe, and she needed hydroxychloroquine and zinc, and I prescribed it for her, and I didn't really think twice about it. And the next day, I was told by my medical director that I would be fired if I continued to do such a thing. I found that absolutely shocking, because never before had there been any pressure one way or another about me choosing a particular FDA medication to give a patient. Now, Simone, where do you live? This occurred in California. It occurred in California. And back in February or? This was uh, after we got the rapid COVID test. I work in the emergency department. And once we got the rapid COVID test is when I started using it. So it was around April. Okay. And by that time, had the president come out with the, I can't pronounce it. Yeah, I'll totally help you with that. Hydroxychloroquine. Yeah. Hydroxychloroquine. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Okay. So the president had come out saying that this might be the magical cure? Yeah, so it's very interesting. I knew about hydroxychloroquine a long time before, maybe even as early as January. It looked very promising in the early studies in China, Italy, south of France. Uh, The president mentioned it in late uh, March 19th to be specific, but I knew about it long before. In fact, I had gotten prescriptions of it, as did many physicians. We stockpiled it the way other people were stockpiling toilet paper. Doctors were getting their hands on this stuff. I didn't start using it though until I had ability to confirm that the person in front of me did have COVID-19. But as soon as I had that confirmation, based on all the studies that had been done to that point, I didn't hesitate to use it. 
you know, at the end of the day, it's really between a doctor and a patient what should be recommended. That's the way it used to be. Yeah, and this was the first time it had happened where the government was intruding itself into that relationship. So what happened after your boss told you not to prescribe that treatment again? So I think the second part was, the first was that this actually happened with the patient, and the second part was that my peers and the medical director's response was so abnormal. The fact that they were towing the party line, you know, don't do this because the government said don't do this, was so abnormal to me. And the fact that they weren't noticing it was abnormal was very concerning to me. So I kept getting, basically, I kept getting told not to do it, but there was, I kept doing it. You did. I did. (laughs) And so how did you get from, are you still working in the emergency room? So uh, because it was so difficult in the emergency department, some you know we were putting we were given so much pressure not to use this drug, and the governor of many states was telling us not to use it. They threatened our license about using it. A lot of doctors like myself started finding each other online, and we knew that we were right about this. And finally, we just decided to get together and say we've got to come and tell the truth to the American people because they're not hearing this. So a lot of us got together and we decided to come to Washington. And once I did that. The two hospitals I was working at both let me go. That's a disgrace. (laughs) But I've heard from other doctors. In fact, I interviewed a doctor and she was so shocked because they were asking fellow doctors to turn in anyone they knew that was prescribing the cocktail. So, you know, the American public really needs to understand what's going on. The governors of each state have their ability to regulate how doctors and how pharmacists prescribe and dispense medications in their state. But they don't normally exercise that? They they do, but it's, it's, it's general. You have to pass these tests, you have to be a doctor, you have to be a pharmacist, but they've never, ever made a rule that you can't use XYZ drug for XYZ condition. It's never happened before. Now, are you at liberty to say why you think it has happened with COVID and not with other diseases and treatments? I could share, I could off camera share my opinion. But, but I it just would be try, speculation. Yeah, I try, not, I try not to speculate on the air, but I want people to realize the main thing is it's never happened before. So you can draw your own conclusions. Why in the era of COVID, only for COVID and only this drug, hydroxychloroquine, is the government getting involved? Who would have made that decision? At what level would it have been made? It's the state governors are in charge of the state medical board. So it's essentially the governor. It came down from above the governors, right? They couldn't all have the same talking points. So many governors referenced the FDA saying it wasn't effective, but it was absolutely the governors, the governors of each state. If you go to my website, you can actually see the state rules state by state, and you could see the language that they used. Some states used more severe language. Some used less severe language. There's only a handful of states that didn't interfere at all. Florida is one of them. Florida said, we're just going to leave things the way they are. Let doctors be doctors. Most states did, did not do that. Well, one of the reasons I'm interviewing you today is that I heard you give a presentation where you talked about the mass hysteria that's taken place in America. Could you talk a little bit about that as you see it? You know, I hadn't said that publicly before, but I've been thinking about this. Is it okay to talk about it? Of course. All right. I I, I love you, Dr. Swain. So it's okay to, uh, I've been thinking about this for six months. And the reason I decided to finally say that is we keep putting out little street fights. We keep saying, this is, you know, don't shut down the schools, there's no science, or don't do the lockdowns, there's no science, and don't do the masks, there's no science. But why is everybody going along with this sort of 
behavior that has nothing to do with the science and nothing to do with the facts. It's become clear to me over months that we have an entire society that has fallen prey to almost like a delusion. This is not foreign to me as a physician. There are innumerable instances of this. One of the most, uh, well, I won't say the most famous one first, but there are many examples of physicians knowing that, for example, groups of students will all start having seizures or pseudo seizures together. Absolutely. There was a very funny case many years ago, uh, I think it was in the Middle Ages, of people started dancing and everybody started dancing. They danced for days. It was called the dancing plague. There's another instance I mentioned where a group of nuns in the middle uh, Middle Ages started uh, meowing like cats. They did this every day. There's innumerable examples. In 2018, there was a flight from Dubai to New York and 20% of the passengers fell ill with the same kind of psychosomatic complaints. This is just kind of part of the human condition to follow each other, to copy each other, and to believe things other people say. And that's clearly what's happening now. And it's difficult for people to believe they're living in a time of mass hysteria because emotionally they're, they're not appreciating it. But let's look at the facts and decide if our actions are based in fact or not. Well, let me ask you this. For that to be the case, it would involve the scientists, the doctors, the political leaders, the uh, media, and the public to receive it, right? I think there are some people that push a certain narrative, but the fact that so many Americans are going along with the narrative is the mass hysteria part. Do you know something that uh, wasn't part of your presentation, but it really puzzles me, is why the American people would allow their loved ones in nursing homes to be isolated for months and months and to not have funerals? Why would we go along with that when, I know from personal experience, I worked in nursing homes that the care there tends to be substandard. The only people who get excellent care are those whose family members visit them on a regular basis and unexpectedly. This is. I'm glad you brought this up because this has been a complete tragedy. I think the reason people went along with it is because it happened really quickly. From the time we said we might do this to the time we did it, it was like two weeks. And I think people were really startled and didn't know what else to do. I know many instances of family members that could not actually get their family members out. They had been discharged from the hospital, and many, many patients fell ill and died. In fact, the New York numbers are so catastrophically high because of the nursing home deaths. Well, I can tell you that even in Tennessee, where I live, they are allowing nursing homes to have skilled care units, to have COVID patients on the same floor in a different wing. And before they were saying the disease, you know, traveled by air and you couldn't have shared air conditioning systems. I don't understand how they're justifying doing it now, even if they're having precautions. So it's not just New York. Other nursing homes are keeping them in the same facility. Oh, it was. I did not mean to say it was just New York. It was many, many states. Most states did not protect their nursing homes. We were protecting people as though they were equally situated. We're talking about kids, and we're talking about middle age, and we're talking about healthy people, and nursing homes as though they're equally situated, and they're not. Nursing home patients are especially frail. We knew from the very beginning that this was a disease that affected the, uh, the frail. I also want to throw in there that there are people who are doing it properly. Nursing home patients should have a much lower threshold for getting prophylactic medication to prevent it. Dr. Armstrong from Texas had a nursing home patient who was positive, and he proceeded to recommend, if people wanted it, hydroxychloroquine and zinc for the other patients prophylactically, and he had tremendous success. I believe none of his patients died. That is wonderful. We're going to take a break, and when we return, I want to talk about lockdowns, masks, and school closures. 
Be the People is sponsored by Cooper Steel, a family-owned business that provides the steel fabrications for buildings across the Southeast. Sixty years ago, Kenneth and Faye Cooper founded the company in Chevyville, Tennessee, which started as a vision is now a nationally recognized company that remains true to its founders' Judeo-Christian values and principles. Cooper Steel is committed to excellence, responsibility, and community. Its motto is build strong, stand strong. It treats its employees and customers like family. Learn more at coopersteel.com. Spreading the out loud truth from sea to shining sea. AmericaOutloud.com is the voice of liberty and justice for all. This is not a fight of Republican versus Democrat. It's not a fight of rich versus poor, old versus young, man versus woman, gay versus straight. It's not a fight of black lives, blue lives, Hispanic lives, or white lives. This is a battle of good versus evil. It's a fight for the soul of humanity. We are the vision of the voices, America Out Loud Talk Radio. I'm back with Dr. Simone Gold, and she is the founder of Frontline Doctors, America's Frontline Doctors. Simone, you have a lot of thoughts about masks, and if you, I mean, I can tell you that most people that I know, we're not happy about wearing masks and uh, the lockdowns and our whole way of life being stolen. Can you tell us a little bit about your perspective on the things that are being done in the name of protecting us from COVID? Yes. So as a scientist, I don't like us doing things that don't help, and I don't like us missing the opportunities to do things that do help. The problems with masks, there's, there's so many problems. First, scientifically, masks don't work. We know this is true because if you take any medical journal prior to the year 2020 and you Google it about surgical masks, there was never a pretense that surgical masks worked against viruses. That's simply not what they do. It's simply ineffective. From a legal perspective, there's so many constitutionally uh, incorrect things about mandating wearing a mask without having any legislative or judicial ruling that that's what we should be doing. So the infringement on civil liberties by forcing people to wear a mask is itself a problem. The third problem is that it's very socially divisive. You have people yelling at each other. One group of people feels another group is being insensitive. The other group of people feel the mask wearing people are being foolish. This is very socially divisive. Well, tell me this, uh, the mask, do they actually prevent you from getting COVID-19 or spreading the disease? No. At most, a surgical mask can prevent the transmission of respiratory droplets. Respiratory droplets or spit or saliva when you sneeze right. are very, very large. If you had COVID and you sneezed or had some saliva coming out, that would stop the those particles. But what it doesn't do is stop the virus itself from shedding. If you are emitting, if you've got COVID-19 and you're breathing out, you're going to have some of the virus particles. All right. The mask does not stop that. 
the problem is that people that are really contagious with COVID-19 have symptoms. This myth of asymptomatic spreaders is a myth. I believe that. I believe they created it to get us all into the mask. Yes. So it's been definitively shown that there is really no such thing as an asymptomatic super spreader. There are lots of journal articles that have shown that over the last couple of months. It was a myth. It's a little bit like saying there's Bigfoot or there's Santa Claus or there's the Tooth Fairy. It's a myth, this asymptomatic super spreader. I'd love to get some of those citations from you because it confirms what I have always believed. And I wrote an article some months ago about the politics of coronavirus and how it didn't add up to me in a country of 329 million people, we would have a shutdown and do all the things that we've done for the small number of deaths we have had in this country relative to other diseases where people die every year. The main thing to remember about COVID-19 is that if you are under, let's say, 60, 65, without multiple comorbid conditions, your chances of death are much lower than that of having influenza. All deaths are tragic, but we didn't shut down our society for influenza in previous years. And if you're much younger, like under 24, the chances are almost zero of death. So the discussions about schools are flat-out preposterous and ludicrous. We did not talk about shutting down schools last year related to influenza, which has a much higher death rate than COVID. But couldn't the government be setting the stage for the future where we don't stop wearing masks, that influenza will be treated differently, and uh, the whole way we interact with each other will change because they're trying to save lives. And for me as a Christian, what I see is for some people, if I take them at face value, And if I were to believe that they were trying to save lives, which I don't believe because the political left wants to depopulate the population. So if you want to depopulate the population, you're not going to try to save lives. But if you were a secularist and you believe that the mass and all this stuff would extend people's lives, why would you change it? I mean, why wouldn't you just ramp it up for flu and colds and everything else and never go back to life as normal? That's an excellent point. I will tell you that emotionally, when I look around and psychologically, it reminds me when I was a young girl and I visited communist countries, people with the masks on in America, they're looking down, they're looking grim, they're not looking at each other, they're not having eye contact or interaction, interacting normally socially the way we normally did as Americans. Qualitatively, it feels to me just like when I was in East Berlin and just like when I was in Yugoslavia. It does feel like we're trying to change society for the worse. One of the things that bothers me when we are all wearing masks, in a normal situation, you would be able to look at a person and maybe they would smile and that might cause you to relax and maybe that would be a signal that you're safe. But if you have a mask on or something that causes you to look like a bandit and only your eyes are showing and your facial features are disguised, it puts us at great risk because we look like criminals And for the criminals in America, I mean, it's never been a better time to be alive because not only are you getting released from prison where you may be a dangerous criminal, despite what they say, but you also get to cover yourself up, go into stores, and people don't have the normal markers that they would use to protect themselves because they can reach your face and your body language. 
It is a fundamental shift in American society to be walking around with masks. It changes us from a free people, an interactive, socially interactive, kind of thankful people who who bond with each other and cross communicate to people who are anxious and afraid of each other, not interacting normally. This is a fundamental change for American society. And one of the other things that I've heard you talk about that I thought was interesting, you made a distinction between four different groups and it tied into what you saw as taking place in America with this, with people behaving in a way that seems delusional at times. Could you uh, explain to our audience what you see? So it's very hard, I think, for Americans to believe that there's they're living in a time of mass hysteria. The reason I think it's so difficult is because normal Americans cannot understand who would be behind such a movement. And after thinking about this... Are we naive? We are. I think Americans are lo- some of the loveliest people on the planet. We're just innocent, right? We're just kind of... We, I think we just are optimistic and naive a little bit. We're kind of a young country in the scheme of countries, and, and we are a country of immigrants. And I think we're just... I think we are a little naive. Okay. But I think there's multiple motivations going on. Uh, one is that you have the category that's known as uh, called the useful idiots, which is media and politicians who just kind of are going along with the party line, let's say. The second group would be the group I call smug intellectuals, people who think that they know better than oh, Bill Gates who wants to run the world. People who think that they're smarter than everybody else and that they have better ideas and therefore everyone should listen to them. Academia, maybe. Academia, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, people that scorn people who just have common sense, right? Uh, the third group would be what I call maybe the dispassionate, um, profit-motivated. We can call that big pharma. And then the fourth group... And the doctors and scientists that invested in vaccines and test kits and masks. Or am I wrong with that? Yeah, so I mean, they, they'll fall either into like the big, the, the profit motive group or uh-huh. the, the fourth group. If Americans stop living in fear, they will shrug off the dictatorial edicts of their governors. To help them do that, understand first that overwhelmingly, the, the if you get COVID-19, you're going to either be asymptomatic or mildly symptomatic, or if you get a more severe case, there are different treatments that you can take. There's also prophylactic or early treatment you can take with hydroxychloroquine and zinc. So first, don't be so consumed with fear. Second, to help you be empowered, you can actually access these treatments for yourself. You can go to my website, and on my website, there's a map which shows you how to obtain uh, consultations with physicians who are hydroxychloroquine knowledgeable. The reason I focus on this so much is I know that if Americans knew they could get a treatment that they needed, if they needed it, they would relax. But Simone, would you give your website address? And we will also post it in the show description so that anyone you know that goes to the website, clicks on the podcast, will be able to get the address, but I will have you give it a couple of times. So Thanks. what is your website address? It's AFLDS.com, which stands for America's Frontline Doctors.com. AF is in Frank, LDS.com. You'll find the map to obtain hydroxychloroquine consultations. You'll also find reference paper, which explains what's going on. You'll also find videos from doctors talking straight to the American people about the truth how it affects children, how it affects older people, how it affects sick people, you know, what the treatment options are, what fear is doing to the American psyche. There's a lot of information. You're really empowering regular people to be able to take control of their lives or to get their lives back. I believe so much in Americans. 
And the other thing that I think is interesting is that the fear factor, because I, as a Christian, I consider myself very devout. I'm 66 and I don't live in fear because I believe that God is already foreordained when I die, the manner of my death. If it's going to be COVID, so be it. But I don't believe, um, I believe my times are in his hands and I'm not going to die a day before it was already written in the books. That's correct. I do think there's a pretty big divide between people who believe in something other than themselves and people who don't. If you believe that you are the master of of all and master of your own destiny, maybe you are more panicked. But if you have a belief in something else, maybe you're less panicked. There's also a party difference in people who seem to be more panicked and uh, the, I'll say the more godless a person is, the more fear that they seem to show about all of this, and they're more easily manipulated. There's no question, but I, I even for those persons who are not devout, I want them to be empowered as well. I want everyone to know that you have it within your possession. You can go right to the website. You can find doctors who can get you the treatment should you need it. That by itself should make you relax. And could you tell our listeners what fear does to a person from a medical perspective? What happens if I am in great fear? Oh my goodness. The the repercussions have been terrible over the past few months. The rates to the suicide um, hotline phone numbers have gone up. Phobias have gone up. Children are developing fear of social anxiety, fear of people, fear of being outside. You know, fear affects your immune system, your ability to, to get well, to fight off illnesses. And of course, it sounds trite, but it makes you less happy. That makes you less motivated. It's endless. And I have another question. I remember reading somewhere that the people who self-isolate, that were shut down and they were wiping everything down, you know, every two or three minutes, they were doing everything to prevent a contact with a germ, wearing their mask. Once they left the sterile environment, they would be more likely to contract a disease? You know, um, what I will say is that there's no evidence that being isolated and lockdowns and keeping people isolated from each other has been helpful. We know this because Sweden and Norway are very, very similar countries and they reacted completely differently and their numbers are about the same. They didn't close the schools, they didn't do lockdowns, they social distanced to the extent that they felt like social distancing, their numbers are the same. All right. Well, Simone, we're going to take another break, and when we return, I want you to tell our listeners more about your work and how they can support you and America's Frontline Doctors. What if there was a book that took the mystery out of prayer, one that made it easier for people to pray God's Word with miraculous results? There is such a book, Joy Lamb's The Sword of the Spirit, The Word of God is a Handbook, that has changed the lives of thousands of people around the world. You can order your life-changing copy from Joy Lamb's website, thesoardofthespiritbook.com. Order Joy's book and listen to her audio prayers while you're there. I'm back with my guest, Simone Gold. She's the founder of America's Frontline Doctors, and she's telling us everything we need to know about the coronavirus, how we can protect ourselves and live our lives without fear. And Simone, thank you so much for what you have done for all of us. And I know it has come with great personal costs for you because you were out front 
and you've taken all the blows, but we really appreciate what you are doing and what you've done for America. You know, at the end of the day, I'm a doctor and I went into this line of work to help people and I was full on obstructed from helping people and I couldn't tolerate that. That's really where this comes from. And I feel as though a doctor should go out and try to help as many people as possible. So that's really why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I have been blessed to meet the most fantastic other physicians along the way. And that, that's why we came together, really to help the American people. And tell our listeners about how they can help you continue <sighs> the work that you're doing. Oh, well, it you can come to our website. We certainly accept donations at America's Frontline Doctors. Um, but the main thing is to help yourself, really, and to stop living in fear. That's the truth. I think you should watch some videos. You should read some of the reference articles. And you should relax. And you should go be happy and joyful and live your life. And if you need medication, you'll be able to get medication. And we can take our country back. Okay. And once more, give the website address and your social media handles. Thank you. You know, I, I do have to mention my real web address is americasfrontlinedoctors.com. But when this happened and we got deplatformed everywhere, the website host server took it down. So I had to scramble and build it again. So listeners, it's A-F-L-D-S which is the acronym for AmericasFrontlineDoctors.com. Also follow me on Twitter at Dr. Simone Gold. Now, if they were to Google America's Frontline Doctors, would they get your website? Right. It, it soon will be joined up, but I had to rebuild it again. At the moment, please find me at AFLDS. Soon it will be America's Frontline Doctors again. Thank you so much for joining us today. And for all the listeners, what Simone is doing is being the people. And it's up to us, the we the people, in the preamble of the Constitution, to stand up and be the people who take back our nation and our world. Thank you for listening. Until next time.